As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Jed is in Alabama at home. I'm at home here in Southern Illinois. I say welcome to those of you watching along live on the Facebook page for a Monday evening recording, special Monday night episode here of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Welcome also to those of you listening via traditional means on the podcast feed, Big Jed, what's shaking this Monday evening? Oh, Bogak, I uh, just getting in, and uh, it's a little bit of a late recording for us, but um, I appreciate the, the podcast team accommodating my schedule. I had a very important seven and eight year old boys basketball evaluation this evening. Went and participated in that, watched some talented, talented kids get after it for 50 seconds each, show their dribbling and running skills and shooting skills. It was very impressive. Very impressive. How excited are you for the 2023-2024 basketball season? Oh, uh, it, you know, if we just played one word, I put one word on this, I would say pump. Pumped is the word. I am, uh, I am very, very excited about trying to help these kids further develop their already amazing. This should be like taking candy from a baby. Coaching these kids is going to be very. We talked, we talked odds a couple of weeks ago on the show. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, Big Jed's crew went undefeated in the 2022-2023 season. Do you have odds on on running that back? Um. I would say probably 73 to 1. 73 to 1 is what I'm going to Nice round number. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The uh, fighting, not much chance at all. The fighting big Jeds were last year's champions. <laughs> they were honored. That, that's what we're going to do here tonight, Big Jed. We are going to honor the NHRA champions <laughs> on a night where they are taking the stage near Hollywood. We're going to honor them here on the podcast. But, Jed, before we get to the fun of that, 
some news that is not not as fun, not not fun at all. Um, it's the only place to start. We we learned, or at least I learned this morning, of the passing of one Boomer Ellison, and I've got a story to share about Boomer from a, a competitive a competition standpoint that that I'll get to. But ultimately, what happens on the racetrack is it's not the measure of a man, right? That's that's the friends, that's the family, the lives that you impact along the way. In that regard, Jen, I think it's fair to say that you knew Boomer a lot better than I did. So I'll allow you this stage to kind of lead the show with a few words on the passing of one Boomer Ellison. Thank you, Luke. I, I felt like I knew Boomer pretty well. Um, but, you know, when you hear of his passing, um, I, I, I'm sad to say I didn't know him as well as I wanted to or as well as I should have. Uh, but Boomer was one of a kind. He truly was. Uh, for those that that may be trying to tie the name together, he is the father of Caleb Ellison and Edmund Ellison, two of the most talented bottom bulb racers that's, uh, that's participating in the sport today. And um, Boomer was just a very genuine man. He he really did all he could to help anyone. I've seen him crawling under cars, working on them. I've seen him running around looking for parts. I've seen him doing everything he could possibly do to help people at the track. He's also, wherever there's a good time being had, uh, Boomer was, you know, at the center of that, not necessarily leading it, but just enjoying it. He's a good time guy, just uh as I posted on my Facebook page today, uh, in our discussions, you know, he was so genuine and, and so kind. But even when there was chaos, he was in the eye of chaos. He was very calm. Was just who he was. Just a tremendous, tremendous man. Uh, made a, a huge impact on the racing community and certainly humanity all around. Just a very hurtful, hurtful loss. Uh, you know, I know there's there's many of those and there's a lot of them that we don't talk about here on the podcast, Luke. But Boomer was a friend. We saw each other fairly often throughout the year. He came to the events that I promote. You know, I don't remember Boomer leaving one without a text, you know, same day, maybe even the next day. Great job. Thanks for all you do. Just a respectful guy that, you know, didn't have to reach out and say those things, but, you know, he just felt compelled to do it. Says a lot about who he is. You know, he beamed with pride watching those boys do what they do, and they do it well. And that made him the happiest father on earth. Loved his wife, Sherry. Loved his friends. Just a just a huge loss to mankind and something that is leaving a hole in a lot of hearts. Uh, certainly thoughts and prayers go out to Boomer's wonderful family and all of the God knows how many lives that, that he's impacted just uh, just by association with him. I'll echo those thoughts, Jed, and then I'll I'll try to to leave this with a with a smile because my first the first time that my my path crossed that of Boomer Ellison, we were at uh, Norwalk at the uh, the Ten Grand Nationals. This is probably some fifteen plus years ago at this point that Caleb and, and Edmund were tykes. Uh, you just do the math. Well, I don't I I won't pretend to be dialed into all of the details of the day, but the car that Boomer was driving is is Camaro, like mid nine second. It's still long track at that time. Camaro in the time trial or maybe first round, it stood straight up on the bumper, slammed down, crashed the oil pan. Like I believe that they had the oil pan off the car and just nonstop work all day long. And I don't think really got it right to like third, fourth round. And somehow or another, he was managing to get through the rounds. And I even remember late in the race, he was not making like it, not, not, not making good runs, like couldn't go down the racetrack half the time and just kept turning on wind lights. And the next thing I knew he and I met in the final. And again, I didn't, I didn't know Boomer from Adam at that time, 
And uh, in the midst of all of this, you know, people are telling me like, hey, you you got this. You know what I mean? Like he, he's had two by runs and three red lights and like, car won't have to go down the track. Well, long story short, I was like 16, 18 total in the final. My wind light did not come on on the long track. And that was the first time that I got to meet Boomer. And keep in mind, like, not necessarily, Norwalk wasn't necessarily the home track, but there was plenty of the that contingent there. And he had a lot of friends, right? So it was a party on the starting line. And just the the vibe from there, like, I wanted to be disappointed. Me and Lucas Bendall are sitting on the guardrail watching this celebration. They're dumping coolers on Boomer's head, the whole deal, right? And you just couldn't be a part of that scene and just not be happy. Like everybody was happy. He was just living it up. And that I think is what I'll remember. We got to know each other a little bit better over the years. And then as Edmund and Caleb were growing up, but that was my first meeting with Boomer Ellison. And that's a night that I'll never forget, not just for the way it went down, but for the way that he handled the situation. And that's all I can think about here today. So hopefully that bring a little smile to the face of those that are, are in sorrow over, over Boomer's loss. What a great story, Luke. I, I'd never heard that story before, but you know, I can picture the whole scene and I can certainly picture Boomer and somewhere in there. I, I, I even feel like Boomer felt sorry for you because he, he probably said, you know, in his head, that shouldn't have happened that way or something. He, he was just that kind of guy, just a humble champion and a, a great husband and father and friend. Certainly a, a huge loss to, to all of the racing world and, and certainly uh, all of the lives he impacted outside. We talked last week, Jed, about... The NHRA Lucas Oil Series winding down in Pomona, California at the season-ending World Finals. We came into the weekend with three national titles yet to be decided. Superstock, Super Gas, Top Dragster. In all three categories, Big Jed, the lead changed hands last weekend. At the last race of the season, you could not ask for higher drama coming into and leaving the NHRA World Finals. Let's start with the super stock category, where if you'll remember, it was just two weeks ago, Wyatt Wagner felt like a long shot to win the super stock crown. Two weeks ago was when Brad Burton drove to the final round of the Las Vegas national event, took a significant, if not monumental, obviously at this point, not insurmountable lead with the runner up to Kyle Rizzoli in that race. Two weeks, 13 consecutive win lights, Later, not only is Wyatt Wagner your 2023 NHRA Superstock World Champion, he now holds one of the four largest points totals in modern NHRA Lucas Oil history, Big Jed, 743 for this year's Superstock World Champion, one Wyatt Wagner. Luke, it's a... I mean, it's an incredible story, and I know we say this every year as these points battles wrap up, but this guy was not even being considered a couple of months ago. And I don't remember which race he won, but I, was it the U.S. Nationals? He did win Indy. That's a good season. He, he went Indy, he won the world. That's a pretty good yeah. year. When he won Indy, I think he became part of the conversation, but still, you know, it's it's Wyatt Wagner. You know, he's young. We don't know this guy. We're, we're going we're gonna to stick with the with all the, the veterans in this game. He's been doing it a while. And this young man has just been incredible. I mean, he has marched towards the final he has beaten some extremely stiff competition. And when it's all said and done, amassed the fourth largest, actually tied for the, the third largest, I believe, with Peter. Uh, total in in history of the, the sportsman points chase as well, since the points changed in the mid-90s, I believe. But, yeah, 20 um, plus, 30, almost 30 years ago, yep. 
But basically, since the points have been being kept the way they're kept today, this young man has just tied the best to ever do it in my mind. And Peter Biondo, Peter owns the top two and had the third solo. Now he shares that with Wyatt Wagner. Just an incredible, incredible performance by this young man. Um, you know, certainly put the miles on himself running all over the country, chasing after this, shows a lot of confidence in himself, shows uh, certainly the the drive that it takes to go try to be a champion, and then to go out on a racetrack and perform the way he has performed. Truly remarkable, Luke. This young man can look back on this one as a monumental moment in his racing career. If he doesn't ever win another one, this was simply incredible, and Wyatt earned every every bit of it. From a helicopter view, you mentioned it, Jed. Wyatt's 743-point total matches Peter Biondo's mark from 2003, also in Superstock. Falls short only of Peter Biondo's 765 points from his 1996 Superstock campaign. And the ultimate mark of 792 points, also earned by one Peter Biondo. That was in Stock Eliminator in 2005, that near-perfect campaign. Coming into Pomona... Wyatt Wagner had to win round two to take the lead, had to, at least on paper, had to win round four to clinch the championship. And the drama actually ended this time around in round three when Wagner won and Brad Burton lost that round to Justin Lamb. As we kind of alluded to on last week's show, Wagner ran up toward the pole. He qualified number two, who was on the pole, his championship nemesis. Brad Burton, qualifying second, allowed Wagner to get the second potential buy run, which was in round two. Again, he had to win round two to take the lead. So basically, it all boiled down to his round one matchup opposite Kevin Kevin Motter. Um, win that round, get the buy to take the lead into the championship. Motter turned it red, but Wyatt, 10 on the tree. Comes back around after that buy run for a round three matchup with Terry Emmons for all the marbles at that point when Wyatt ran, Burton had not yet run. And even if Brad had lost that round and Wyatt had lost, Kyle Rizzoli would still have a shot to win him. So the pressure is still on in round three. Guess what? Wyatt Wagner turned loose the button in round three. Ten yet again. In fact, he laid down 11 total to defeat Terry Emmons and clinch the title. All he had to do, Big Jed, was win round three. It was over. But that wasn't enough for Wyatt. While you're there, you might as well go on and win the damn race. That's what Wyatt was thinking, and that's what Wyatt Wagner did. Uh, and honestly, it's a good thing that he won that round three to clinch the title, because guess who was waiting in the final? Al Rizzoli. <laughs> if the same names feel like they keep popping up, there's a reason for that. Rizzoli actually broke a rocker arm, I think, in the water of the final, made that that race kind of anticlimactic, but also kind of fitting that, that Wyatt Wagner ends up running the table at the last two races of the year, the most pressure-packed two races of the year to not only win the championship, but put up that absolutely absurd 743-point total. Yeah, Luke, it truly is uh, just one of the all-time great performances in that category. Obviously, uh, second to, to Peter's 1996 championship points total. You know, This young man can look back on this one with as much pride as you can possibly have. And I know uh, why. I don't know how old he is. It, I feel like he's in his early 20s. So, yeah, that's right. You know, I'm sure he's got quite a bit of support behind him and uh, some people helping him get to, to where he's gotten. And I can only imagine how proud they're feeling right now to, to be associated with Wyatt. But when it's all said and done, you've got to let go of the switch in the car and you've got to make the right decisions on the starting line and the finish line. And Wyatt did just that to, you know, not quite 
perfect, but to near perfection. Uh, that was 743 is an incredible score and an extremely difficult catch. Be proud of this one, young man. That was incredible. It's as close as just about anyone has gotten to perfection in the modern era. His season ledger closes with five victories, a, another runner-up, and two quarterfinal finishes. Made all the more impressive, Big Jed, by, and we've talked about this for six months, the depth of amazing quality competition and the depth of tremendous seasons in Stock Eliminator. Brad Burton's 681 point total. That's the highest non-championship total of the season, regardless of class. His season was unbelievable in its own right. Three wins, four runner-ups. Again, you only get to claim eight races for your NHRA points championship total. He was in seven finals and didn't win the championship. It's the second consecutive season that Burton comes up short in Pomona to finish number two. I believe in my research, it's his third second place finish total to go along with three world championships. So take nothing away from Brad Burton, what he did this season, what he's accomplished in his career. In addition to those two, Rizzoli finishes the season in third place. Would have actually surpassed Brad Burton for second had he won that final round. Kyle Rizzoli, three wins, two runner-ups, and that's just in Superstock. We add that to his championship season in stock that included two wins and four runner-ups. Kyle Rizzoli went to 14 national events or 14 NHRA events over the season. He was in 11 final rounds between the two categories. Absolutely ridiculous. And to go even beyond the top three, Brian Warner, Tyler Kahili, Monty Joe Bogan, they each crested the 600-point plateau. No other category had six racers that eclipsed 600 points. In fact, the biggest was, was four. four. Four drivers did that in Stock Eliminator, four in Super Comp, three in Super Gas. I didn't have time today, Jed, to go as far back as I wanted to. But I went back eight years among all across all the sportsman categories. I could not find another non-alcohol category that featured six different drivers amassing 600 or more points. This is rare that this many drivers stood out. And obviously, Wyatt Wagner stands well atop the heap when it's all said and done. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, blew a, blew a six anything out of the water when it was all said and done with that final round win in Pomona. But you know, you, you think back on the year that Brad Burton has had, that's just such a strong performance, Luke, and would typically run away with the title. But he, you know, had to hold on for a second place finish at 681 because of the great year that Rizzoli's had. 14 events, 11 finals between the categories, just unbelievable performances by some tremendous talents. And when I guess when you're Wyatt Wagner, you know, be proud of what you accomplished. But when you look in the rear view and see the talent and the, the scores that these guys, the six racers, including yourself, went over 600, I mean, that's got to make the pride meter even more peg, just trying to break the peg off of it. When you know that five other racers got over 600 points and you didn't have a six nothing in your point total, unbelievable. Um, and, you know, again, Rizzoli with a stock world championship and battled for a super stock world championship, all those final rounds. That's got driver of the year uh, written all over it. And he's certainly in the running. Uh, Brad Burton, tough break. I mean, when you lose the, the lose a points battle in Pomona two years in a row and you didn't drive bad, it ain't like you fell out of the car. He drove well and really performed extremely well. But, you know, 
Wyatt Wagner's, it was his to win. Brad Burton don't have to ever win a championship in history as one of the best to ever do this. So uh, he he should not hang his head. And I know he won't. Brad's a positive kind of guy. I know he'll be very proud of that. And Rizzoli gets to go to the stage. He gets to be on the stage tonight regardless. So um, cool moment for those guys. Certainly a, a, a strong battle. Uh, but Wagner, again, when he reflects back on this and what he accomplished, it's extremely rare. If it's if it's ever happened, you, know, you went back eight years. I obviously hadn't happened then, but I don't know if it's ever happened. Either way, uh, this is this is one for the ages. Certainly one that uh, I know he will have a ton of memorabilia in the the man cave about for a second consecutive season. Big Jed, the Supergas National Championship wasn't decided until the World Finals. It wasn't quite as dramatic as Bob Locke's 2022 must win victory at the World Finals, but Trevor Larson was able to eclipse Sherman Adcock to win the Supergas title. And I know that we have said this before on the show, but it bears repeating just as we zoom out a little bit on how improbable this title is and was. On July 27th, Jed, Sherman Adcock Jr. had had amassed 678 on the strength of five. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five early season victories in Supergas, a title seemed imminent. Not only did he have 678 points, not only had he accumulated five wins, at that point, Jed, no one was close. Nobody was within 200 points of Sherman Adcock, and he still had five more events at which to improve. We all assumed he would do that. We all assumed that he would win comfortably. And at that time, on July 27th, the reason that I picked that date, Jed, On that day, Trevor Larson had yet to stage for a single round of Supergas competition in 2023. Here we are, less than four months later, Trevor wins round two in Pomona to close his season with 680 points. Two more than Sherman Adcock Jr. for Trevor to earn his first NHRA National Championship. We've talked about this before. The odds, had we set them in mid-July? Absolutely insane. I do take a little bit of personal responsibility for this. I absolutely threw the jinx on our man Sherman Adcock Jr. Um, This is wild, man. Like, not that Trevor Larson won a world championship. He's been on that short list of talented drivers, the the, maybe the most talented drivers to have not won a championship. But for the way that, that this went down in the manner that it did, that late season charge to overcome the total that we all thought was not overcomable, I'm still kind of trying to come to grips with it. it this is why. Yeah, I, I, the the one word that I'll put on this one, Luke, and this is one word, puke bucket. Uh, I need a puke bucket. Um, <laughs> not not because Sherman Sherman's not devastated. Sherman's been there, done that. He's won it all. He's seen it all. I talked to Sherman at uh, Montgomery recently, and, you know, Sherman – Sherman's just taking it. You know how Sherman is. I think you even said, ah, you know, I know Sherman's saying it. You know, sun come up tomorrow or whatever. It's all going all gonna to be just fine. And that's the mentality he's taking. But this one, this one was a stranglehold. He had this one. This one hurts. It hurts for me because I love Sherman and I, I picked him to win it all and really just felt like he had it all. But, I, you know, I have certainly not been rooting against Trevor Larson. But I hadn't been rooting for him. But when you look at what Trevor Larson did, Luke, you don't have respect for that, then you don't know nothing about racing. This cat came out of nowhere and drove his ass off. Really put together incredible back half of the season. Not even back half, really less than half of the season. 
that he got this done in. Uh, and when you look at where he had to go do it, he's driven all over God's creation. It's performed extremely well. He battled the, the issue with the racetrack, costing him the world championship guarantee. Got his mind right, went to Pomona and did exactly what he had to do and, and won the championship by two points. Truly, truly clutch performance by Trevor Larson. Obviously, as you stated, one of the best to do it. His name was on the list of greatest racers to never have won a championship. He's obviously removed his name from that list. And what a way to win it. I mean, he beat one of the Hall of Fame all-time greats that had an absolute stranglehold on the championship for all season long outside of the last couple of races where it looked like he could possibly come up short but still didn't believe it. And Trevor reached in the fire and pulled that championship out. Great performance by Trevor Larson. And certainly, just like I said about Wyatt Wagner, when you put this in perspective that you put it in, July 27th, he had not staged a round of 990 competition. And a guy's got it won. Those stupid idiots on that podcast that we always watch when we're or listen to when we're riding down the road to the races, those guys had it. He was winning it in May. It was over. He was done. And we, for all intents and purposes, had asked us, Jed, we would have encouraged him to run that buggy in Supercom. At least you'd have a chance. <laughs> At least you'd have what a chance. What did we know? <laughs> so uh, Trevor has to be ultra proud of this one, as he should be. Amazing performance on his part. And again, if I know Sherman and I know Sherman, Sherman's tipped his cap to him, said, well done, Trevor, well done. So great battle and truly a legendary performance out of Trevor Larson that he should be extremely proud of. As remarkable as it is to accumulate 680 points in any season, I am literally blown away by the fact that Trevor Larson did it in less than four months. Like, as I can attest, the NHRA season, like, as Sherman says, you got to make your six and eight, right? Trevor actually left a couple of national events on the table, but it's a slog, man, to get to 14 of these races and compete in them over and over and over. Like, I started in February, and by the time we hung up, I was tired. Trevor Larson started in July. And Trevor Larson lives in Minnesota. Okay, so short of the Brainerd National event, ain't nothing close. There is a lot. I mean, just the 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 taxing, grueling nature of that. And Trevor's a farmer. Like the couple of weeks that he took off was harvest season. Trevor's a, a husband and a father with a young family. Like just the juggling act and, and the sacrifice of those around him to make this happen. Like I just zoomed out. I was curious today because I'm like, how on earth do you even get to enough races in that short a period of time. I'll run through it for you, Jed. He starts the season with a runner-up at the double in Topeka in late July. At that point, I'm sure no thought of a championship is even crossing his mind. The next event that he runs is not till a month later at his hometown national event at Brainerd, where he makes it to the semifinals. And at this point, just knowing Trevor, it's, hey, you know, I did good at the first couple of divisionals. It'd be cool to go win another division championship. Let's pack up. Let's go to Acton, Montana. And when you say that, like from where we live, Minnesota to Montana, ah, it can't be that far. It's like over a thousand. Okay. He goes to Acton. He runners up in Acton. Takes one week off. Heads to Earlville, Iowa. He runners up in Earlville. And then he goes to Tulsa. And I know this because I talked to him in Tulsa. He says, hey, if I could do some good here, I could win the division. That'd be awesome. That'd be a great seat. No, the, the thought of a national championship still not on the radar. And this is in late September. Okay. One week after the runner-up in Earlville, he goes, he wins in Tulsa. Now, 
we started talking about on the podcast, you know, if he'd get after it, if he wants to, he could have a shot at, at catching Sherman Adcock Jr. It would take a monumental effort and a monumental on-track performance to do it, but it's there. Takes two weeks off. That was harvest season. Goes to Dallas for the national event. Wins the damn race. Back to Minnesota. Now to Las Vegas. Early exit at the national event. Runner up at the divisional. And that heartbreaking final sets the stage for this in Pomona. In the end, it was 15 weekends, Big Jed, from start to finish. He ran 14 events. Now, not necessarily 14 weekends. Some of those were doubles. Trevor Larson competed in eight different states. Drove through God knows how many to get there from Minnesota, logged who knows how many miles, and amassed six final rounds and 680 points in 15 weeks. Unreal. I mean, that, that breakdown just puts it in so much perspective that, you know, this guy started late in the season probably for a reason. Like, you know, I'm not chasing this. I'm, I'm just going to go out here and do my thing, have a good time. I got, you know, talent. I got equipment. Okay, two or three good outings, and it's like, like you said, maybe a division, maybe I'll get a division championship. That'll be cool. You know, I'll get my gold card for the division, and that'll be pretty nice. And, you know, then he starts or continues to to win, starts adding the, the national event wins and runners up. And before you know it, he's chasing it. But, Luke, that pressure, I mean, like you said, he's a farmer, he's a family man. That pressure had to be looming extremely large. On Trevor, you know, and I'm here. I am leaving my family, going to go to Vegas, going to go to Pomona, with a with a difficult challenge ahead of me, and he gets it done. Clut. There's not many words I have in my vocabulary that could possibly describe what he has just accomplished. Truly, one of the all time great performances, and certainly when you break it down into the 15 week stretch that he he did 14 events i mean it's it just didn't seem possible it did not seem possible luke and, and trevor larson pulled it off and it ain't like it ain't like he he just fell into it i mean this cat went out and earned it very proud of what he accomplished uh i know um you know he obviously had to put a lot of pressure on himself and that had to be devastating in the final round in vegas and to to come back from that and get it done you know the box score the box score indicates there could have been a little pressure there in round number two, and he made it work to go dead zero, you know, did his thing and sets it down to dead zero in the round two to get the championship. Just, again, incredible and, and something that will go down in the history books as one of the all-time great performances. A year ago, the Supergas championship went down to the final round of the final race. To your point, Big Jed, this year it doesn't quite go to the final round but it was ultimately decided by one thousandth of a second. If Trevor Larson rings it up 89-9 in that round two matchup, Sherman Adcock Jr. is your champion. That is the margin by which we are operating here. With the championship, Trevor erases his name from that list of best to have never won a title. He also prevents Sherman Adcock Jr. from being the, the Supergas category's only, first and only three-time champion. Adcock, Sherman Gecker, myself are the only racers that have done that twice. So Sherman remains on that level for at least one more year. And I think most intriguingly, at least, Big Jed, Trevor overcomes that devastating final round loss in Vegas a week prior. Like, I think it's pretty obvious if you're listening to the show, neither one of us are going to root against Sherman Adcock Jr. We're Sherman fans. But I will say this, Jed, like I am happy that the racing gods smiled on Trevor in Pomona. 
if for no other reason, like I'm glad that wasn't the story of the championship, not being able to get down the track in the final round in Vegas. And if nothing else from selfish reasons, I'm glad that we don't have to talk about that being the deciding factor of the championship. Yeah, Luke, I agree. And if I know Sherman, like I said earlier, Sherman, Sherman's happy it didn't didn't end that way too. I'm sure he's he's been bit by difficult track conditions many times in his NHRA career or his racing career in general. And he wouldn't want he wouldn't want to secure the championship that way either. So I'm sure he was happy to to see Trevor get an opportunity anyway. And you talked about 89-9 would have lost him the championship, but 90 with a zero wins it. And then I guess, obviously, you saw what he did in the next round. Uh, yes, turned it he's 1,000. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, Live by the sword, right. die by the sword. That's right. The 1,000 saved him in round two and won him a championship. And uh, that was a that was a loss that was probably really easy to take number three, knowing that he had just clinched the championship. The third category that was undecided coming into Pomona was one that we've been building up for several months, Big Jed. It was the top dragster category where Clint Geisy was the incumbent leader coming in. He was improving a round two loss. Vince, Malu- Vince Mussolino trailed by less than one round. Vince was improving a round one loss. So that meant that when Clint Geisy ran into the 11,000th package of one Taylor Vetter in round one, Mussolino, who sat in the staging lanes, knew one win light away from the title. He was the last pair of top dragster in round one. His 20 and one above knocks out Summer Richardson, who's 11 400s under. That win light comes on, and the drama was done. Vince Mussolino was, is, your 2023 top dragster champion. Ultimately, he fell in round three to Al Kenny, but that didn't matter. When that first win light came on, Vince Mussolino, champ. Yeah, Vince uh, obviously made a long trip, believing in himself to go out there and accomplish the goal and gets that done. Um, A heartbreaking loss, uncharacteristic loss in the previous race, the way that, that he was, you know, come up short of victory, the way he broke out by getting to the stripe a lot. Very uncharacteristic for what Vance has accomplished this year. Again, the other end of the spectrum, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows happened to you in racing. Obviously ended with the highest of highs. Great job for Vance Mussolino. Certainly a strong performance on his part. And really cool to see him get to go to Pomona and wrap it up in style. And, you know, he's uh, he's obviously enjoying all of the accolades and the, the banquet tonight. So really cool deal, uh, you know, as I've, talked about on the podcast you know when I I characterized Vince kind of guy that I think he is from the outside looking in because I didn't know him and you know he sends the message and confirms that and says man I'm just living the dream and you know you just think this guy's kind of one of us just out here having a blast and loving what he's doing and just taking a chance on himself it paid off very very happy certainly can't wait to to see some footage of his uh, his trip to Pomona and his time at the banquet. Like that's a that's the ultimate prize for you know just a, a really good dude. Mussolino's season amassed 631 points, which is the highest total in top dragster history, surpassing the mark set one year ago by Jeremy Hancock, who put up 622. Again, if those numbers don't necessarily translate to what we just talked about in Super Gas and Super Stock, keep in mind. It's not even any points on the table in top drags. You can only get 95 for winning their five-round races across the board. Mussolino, in his eight claims, five victories on the season. For his part, second-place finisher, Clint Geisy, closed the season with 618, Big Jed. That is the third highest points total in top dragster 
history. It's been going on for almost a decade. Third, to- third highest total in history, but the second highest total in 2023. Geisy, for his part, accumulated four victories in his dream season that will put the number two on his scoop in 2023. Some other notes from Pomona, Big Jed. Not necessarily across the board, but certainly more so than usual. To win the world championship, you almost had to win Pomona. Joining Wyatt Wagner, Gage Herrera, and Doug Coletta as world champions who capped their season with victories in Pomona was one John LaBoose Jr. Jr., who won the Super Comp World Championship, also won Super Comp at the event, laid down seven total in the final round to defeat friend of the podcast, one Cooper Chung. Shouts to Cooper, that runner-up finish, closed his season, ranked third in the national point standings behind John LaBoose Jr. and Devin Eisenhower. So congrats to both of those guys. Also, Leo Glassbrenner, I thought it was worth noting. Leo won stock in Pomona after taking runner-up honors in Vegas. So great way to finish the season for one Leo Glassbrenner. That catapulted him to a fourth-place finish in the national stock eliminator standing. Yeah, really cool story for Caboose. Obviously, uh, another world championship for him and, and going out and winning the race and getting by the the remarkable story journey of Cooper Chun. Cooper finishes third nationally. Just all all in my fields. That whole deal. Really happy for Laboose. Happy for Cooper Chun. Another young man that basically come out of nowhere, Luke. You know, for for a fair portion of the season, we wondered would Cooper get to race again. Not only this season, but just again. This young man just put the gloves on and went to work and has battled uh, those health challenges and got back in the race car and performed extremely well to a national finish in the third position. Just a great performance by Cooper Chun. Definitely a a feel-good story of the year there. Um, I know we don't talk about the pro stuff here much, Luke, but Doug Coletta, it was was awesome watching Doug get that done. You know, a a man that has been kicked in the guts uh, at the highest level with the record run that Schumacher made many years ago as Doug stood there waiting to win his championship. It was going to take a a record, an ET record, and a win light to beat him. Freaking Schumacher does it. And, you know, they pan the camera to Coletta. I know everybody remembers that look on his face is like, what the just happened? But you know, handled himself with grace as he always does. Doug Collins is just one of those guys that you, you root for. Not a fan of the whole points and a half thing that they had in the pros for Pomona. Not a fan of that at all. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I guess that contributed to his championship and sealed it, the points and a half. Did not like that. Hopefully that goes away. Um, let them earn it. You know, the, the chase is enough. That's a, that that brings the field back together enough. Don't don't do the points and a half. Don't don't do the whole double points thing like the local tracks do. So didn't like that. Again, we don't talk about the pros. Wasn't a fan. Uh, I, I agree in principle, but if the goal is drama at Pomona, can't have more drama than the top fuel world championship coming down to the final round. Interesting stat for you, Big Jed, as it pertains to Doug Coletta. I, uh, Alan Reinhardt actually shared this today. So obviously, Doug Coletta, in, in what I believe it's 26, 27 years now of NHRA competition, this was his first 26, national, 26 years of, of uh, NHRA competition. This was his first world championship. If And, and to get that, he obviously defeated Leah Pruitt in the final round, driver for her husband, Tony Stewart Racing. I'm, I'm sure you know this, Jed, but the average listener, do you remember what form of motorsports Doug Coletta was involved in prior to taking the wheel of the Coletta Air Top Fuel Dragster? 
trivia time, uh, sprint cars. Absolutely. Doug Coletta, I, I remember watching him on, on TV, USAC sprints. I believe he ran a little bit of World of Outlaws. Although this is Doug Coletta's first NHRA World Championship, did you know, Jed, that the last time he won a, a championship of any kind in motorsport was in the USAC Sprint Car Series? I believe the year was 1994. Do you have any wild guess as to who finished second in that series to Doug Coletta? Oh, uh, Tony Stewart. How about Tony Stewart? How about that coming full circle for you? <laughs> well, I didn't know the answer to that, but I, I figured it had to be a tie-in there somehow. He beat a Tony young Stewart upstart, both. Tony Stewart. Yeah, how about that? I remember when Doug Coletta came into the sport. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know the Coletta team was a was a well-established team, but it was like. I remember all the guys talking about Doug as a sprint car guy and Connie's bringing, I think he's his nephew, if I remember correctly, but I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, bringing his nephew in, going to put him in a top fueler. The guy did extremely well early in his career and thought surely he's going to win his share of these championships. And then 26 years later, who races 26 years in that category, Luke, without winning a championship? So obviously pretty good funding uh, behind uh, the Coletta team. So when you own an airline. You're in pretty good shape. But again, just shows a guy that's committed to the sport and, and has given his life to it. And great to see him ultimately get it done. And uh, I wanted to wrap that thought up with uh, Leo Glassbrenner winning stock. You know, this guy seems to do that quite a bit and finish fourth in the category with 621 points. We've talked about uh, the guys, the one, two, and three, uh, quite a bit over the year. But Leo put himself in a pretty good spot nationally with a, with a number four finish. And got his share of win lights, too. So good for Leo. You know, I think he's pretty fast in class. That's not typically what you see. You don't see the real fast in class guys continue to win. You know, sometimes they're just doing it a little different way. Leo has the ability to do both, go to the pole and and win the race, win the damn race. So good for Leo. Obviously, we're NHRA heavy on the show this week for good reason. But we do have a little bit of bracket action to speak of, Big Jed, and I don't really know that he went anywhere, but I do know this. KB's back. Kevin Brannon. <laughs> rabbit. A week. The rabbit is back. A week after his $20,000 triumph in South Carolina, KB drove both of his entries to the final round of the $50,000 to win fall brawl in Gainesville. That's right. Your winner, Kevin Brannon. Your runner-up, also Kevin Brannon. KB started his season on fire. Cooled a bit in the summer months. It's safe to say that he is back. Again, back-to-back big dollar wins. This one, the rare run yourself in the final for Fitty. Those go along with his $100,000 win at the SFG Super Bowl back in May to kick the season off. Had a $10,000 win at the Southern Door Car Showdown, also at Darlington earlier in the season. I think I'm missing one or two. The start was awesome. The end is awesome. KB definitely making a late run at driver of the year. I think he heard us talking about it the last couple of weeks. He said, oh, oh, throw my name in the ring. KB, we debated him a year ago. We will debate him once again when potty time rolls around here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, KB going Zach Fulcher on him, running himself in a 50K final. Big deal. He got by John Siegel, got by my dog. KB's my rabbit, uh, in case you're one. Uh, John Siegel's my dog, <laughs> soon dog. But Got by him in the final round, in the, the semis to face himself in the final. So, obviously, a stress free 50K win and runner up for KB. Really cool deal. Luke, what you might not know about KB's performance, he started the weekend in Montgomery, Alabama. I assume that. The SFG. I'm sure that. Yeah. 
yeah, at the SFG, um, low rate 50 K's or something. I can't remember what it is, but you know, a typical, um, low entry for big payday. Uh, unfortunately there was uh, quite a bit of weather happening around Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, they pulled the plug after a couple of days, told the guys they just wasn't going to be able to make it work. KB hauls buggy to Gainesville to the RT promotions, uh, Rob Reynolds down there putting on the, the, um, fall brawl with, uh, I think, uh, maybe a 25k, a 50k and a 25k. So really big race and uh, looked like it was really good event there in Gainesville and KB goes down there and then runs himself in the final of the 50 in his door car. That's a hell of a performance. Uh, I, I reached out to KB today and congratulated him on something extremely hard to do in today's talent. But, you know, this, this is just another one of those performances from him. You know, I mean, we should be shocked right now. We should be celebrating this at, at an unbelievable high level, but it's like, yeah, so in the final for 50. <laughs> yeah. That's what he does. That's what KB does. No surprise. Uh, and, you know, obviously having to get by Siegel there in the semis. So he, he beat a, a bad dude to, to get himself in the final. So great performance by KB. Really cool deal. And you run down a little short list of the things he's accomplished this year. Uh, I don't feel like we even got close. I, it feels like there's probably several. Yeah, more I definitely feel like I'm missing something. Can't keep up with all of it, obviously, but. He definitely, uh, you know, is, is finishing the year in a way that uh, puts him in the running. <laughs> he uh, he could be he could be in the discussion for driver of the year too. And just for perspective, like maybe for our uh, our Idaho based listeners, Big Jim, like that trip from Montgomery to Gainesville, that's that's not a an hour or two drive. That's that's a hop, skip, and a jump. And it definitely didn't put KB any closer to South Carolina. What's the, what's the mileage on that? It's got to be like six hours, right? I would think that's about six on the nose, Luke. Uh, I think I could be in Gainesville in about eight. Montgomery's an hour and a half south of me, due south, but it's not really on the way to Gainesville. So I think to get yourself back on track and get down there is about six hours. Pretty good ride just to decide, you know what, I'm going to run down there and get my one-time shot and, uh, and get after these boys for 50K. You know what KB thought? I'm going to go get 50. In fact, he thought, I don't know, what runner up pay 12? He probably thought, I'm going to go get 62. Guess what he did? He got it. He went and got my most of it. Great performance by him, for sure. Congrats to KB. Again, I don't know that that six-hour jump, that's that's not Trevor Larson-level windshield time, but that's pretty impressive to leave Montgomery, go the opposite way of home. I'm going to go down here and snag 50, and then I'll head back to South Kakalaki. That's how it worked out for one Kevin Brandon. Other winners from Gainesville, Mike Ledford made the drive from Michigan to win the opening $5,000 warm-up race. Tyler Ryan made the drive from Maryland to win Friday's $25,000 main event. Sunday called, uh, I believe, in second round of eliminations due to a a persistent mist. But you put those three together, Ledford, Ryan, Brandon, what do they all got in common, Big Jed? They sit down in the car, Luke, and the door closes behind them. That's right. Door car domination. Well, the, and again. Did they not allow dragsters at this event? <laughs> oh, they were there. They just, so this whole resurgence. So the dragsters was coming back you know, here a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I guess we fixed all that. that. Thank you, door car racers and door truck racers, Mike Ledford. Awesome job. All right, so maybe I bricked on the dragsters are back uh, summary from a couple of weeks ago. One thing I did not brick on though, Big Jed. Well, I, I think did. That's, uh, that's all we got time for tonight. Is it? Okay, we're going <laughs> I say that I didn't brick. I, oh, I lost man. I, I, I lost mythical money. If but but I didn't brick as bad as you did. That that's how yeah. that's how I'm going to claim victory in that. So, a couple Which of weeks was the whole that was my whole strategy. My whole, <laughs> that was your whole strategy. Make money, 
my whole strategy was just not to lose as much as you did. And I, I failed miserably. <laughs> so two weeks ago, with the help of our friends at Winlight Bets, we uh, we we bet futures, Big J. We, we, we bet your NHRA world champions. We had a thousand mythical dollars each to to lay on the line. In and I think ultimately, like this was this was what spelled defeat for you, Big J. You laid three hundred dollars of your money on the favorite. In Super Shock, one Brad Burton at four to three odds. I basically faded Burton, and you made fun of me at the time. In, in reality, it wasn't the yes. greatest. I, I laid fifty dollars each on Wyatt Wagner at four to one, Tyler Keeley at six to one, Kyle Rizzoli at ten to one. And you reminded me at the time, even if Wyatt Wagner wins the championship, you got one hundred fifty dollars out at four to one on fifty bucks. If the unthinkable happens and Wyatt Wagner wins a championship, you win $50. Do you know what winning $50 is better than, Jed? Uh, not winning anything. <laughs> it's better than losing 300 and that's what you did. That was pretty, pretty uh, much the difference. You did nail it on Vince Mussolino and top dragster. You had $100 on him at 3-2. to two. That netted you $150. I lost money on Clint Geisy there. In comp, I pretty much wagered oh, I wagered half my stack on what I thought was a sure thing with Bruno Massel. It was uh, that turned 500 into 625. Jed, you broke even because you hedged that bet. If there's a, if there was a theme here, Jed, it was Jed taking the favorites with a couple of hedges just to make sure yeah. that you didn't really lose money. In Supergas, neither one of us had the heart to bet against Sherman. We both lost a little bit there. I stayed away from Super Comp. You went ahead and put 275 on John LaBoost Jr. with a hedge on Tanner Theobald. That LaBoost bet paid off in the in the terms of 21 to 20. So your 275 netted you a whopping 288 <laughs> $288.75. Nice work on that $13.75 return on that investment. In the end, I managed to turn my 1000 mythical dollars into $825, which again does not sound good. But you, Big Jed, turned your $1,000 into $688.75. And for that, I will claim. Yeah, you were, uh, what, $136.25 better than I? So uh, bask in the glory, Luke. Your, your strategy your, your strategy didn't seem to have any, didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And I even talked you into thinking it didn't make sense. And then, it may not have been mathematically sound. Then you come out here and you just dominate me. I mean, you didn't even just squeak by me. You dominated me. So that that was hard to take. But such is such is the way life goes. I mean, that's uh, that's that's about percentage wise. That's about where you are better than me in most all the things that we do here in our battles. So I would say that worked out just about the way it was supposed to. Well, Jed, I think I think I speak for both of us when I say that, that we're we're not. We're not gamblers, right? And and if if nothing else, that was probably shown through in the mathematics of of my picks, right? Which you which you so kindly pointed out. But I can <laughs> see the intrigue, Jed. I see why people get into this because never in my life have I been so excited to lose 175 mythical dollars until I saw that I didn't lose as much as you. I was fired up, Big Jed. I like it. Damn you, Trevor Larson. You made me <laughs> Trevor I didn't have bet against Sherm. I couldn't bet against Sherm any other time. Eleven ten and a four to one. I would have took the I would have took the second place guy and put a little something on him. I just couldn't do it because it was Sherm. Thank you. All the difference. Thanks, Wyatt. It could have made a huge difference. Oh well, that's just the way it goes. Winlight bets uh, certainly helped us with the odds there, so we appreciate that very much. And uh, and congratulations, Luke. It was certainly a mythical bet, but you know you were you were the better man. 
you did more gooder and played the odds better. Although I dogged your strategy. I'm enjoying my humble pie. My crow. No, my crow is what I mean, not humble pie. Hey, I'm eating, yeah, I'm eating crow. See, I don't even know what you yeah. eat when you lose. Yeah, see, I don't, I mean, humble pie, it, in the end, like, it sounds like pie. I, I think I'd rather you have to eat crow. Yeah, crow is way more. Worse. Yeah. All right, Luke, that's enough. We're done. This show's over. We appreciate everybody watching that's watching tonight. Um, if you're listening on Friday, we appreciate you listening. Again, as I say every week, if you're doing both, if you watch this on Monday and listen to it on Friday, really find yourself something that you need. You need a habit, a hobby, a something that you can get into because that's ridiculous. But we do appreciate you. Nonetheless, if there's something that uh, that you felt like we should have talked about, something that you think we uh, didn't say the right things about that we did discuss, whatever, there's a place to let us know. It's right here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, right where you're tuning into this online. Or if you don't want the public to see it and chew you up and down like they do us sometimes, you can put it right there on the private messages and producer Mark will snag that up and let us know what you had to say. Luke, um, I don't, I didn't see you go into the pad tonight. You got what any? was it? No, what? Oh, shouts to shouts to dogs and rabbits. Damn, I wish I had teed yeah. that up and thought about it a little bit better. But yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, dogs and rabbits. Um, they they do seem to to not get along very well, and I think uh, that basically happened again in Gainesville, and uh, the rabbit won. So, but my coon dog will be back. He'll get his win soon. He almost got it in big red at the 500k. Right, knocking on the dragster to that 50k final. He's going to wrap the season up strong. So y'all stay away from John Siegel. He's going to get this done soon. Uh, guys, Luke and I are both active on EX right there on the Twitter. If you like to tweet, uh, you can add us, tag us, whatever you do there. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Luke, I don't know what we got to talk about next week. Um, oh, Jed, we're going to fix racing. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Everything that's uh, wrong with sportsman racing, Luke and I are going to fix that on next week's show. I have no idea what the topics are. We'll knock this out of the park. So tune in then. We appreciate you tuning in now. We'll talk to you next week, and we can't wait to talk to you again real soon. About oh, it's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads, working Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, 
This is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.